anyways. Um, hey. Sorry for the wait on this one. Uh, I'm a few days late. Uh, I'm actually about a week and a half late. But, but there's a reason. There's a reason for the season. Um, so, I've been complaining a lot this year about a lot of things. <laughs> uh, but specifically on this show about some uh, kind of subpar release months. With just uh, some, you know, like, like whole months would go by without any like really special, interesting music. And it was a challenge. It was a challenge uh, to kind of muster up something to talk about when, you know, I, I don't really, I'm not really blown away that much by anything that I'm listening to. Kind of defeats the whole point of the podcast, wouldn't you say? Uh... However, when it came to September 2023, I was faced with uh, basically the exact opposite problem. Uh, In that way too much good shit came out. I would even go so far as to say September 2023 could have been the best month for new music releases. I don't know, maybe in my entire life since I've been actively keeping up with these kinds of things anyway. There was just so much. I could do, I was about to say I could do a whole episode on that month alone, but that's what I do every episode. Uh, I could do like a whole, like I could have done a per week kind of situation, you know? Like seriously, an abundance of excellent music was released. And I just needed some time to kind of wrap my head around uh, both the new the the new releases. Just, you know, I want to make sure I'm I'm coming at you guys with uh, fully formed thoughts and opinions here. But also, just wanted to uh, figure out how I wanted to tackle this episode because, again, I I I've constrained myself to a specific format and that particular format is uh, is a bit of a challenge because I can only talk about a certain amount of albums when really I could sit here and probably talk about like 20 records that came out in September alone. So I am going to cheat a little bit uh, in terms of mentions but in terms of the actual lists, like one to five, any of these records could have been number ones in any month. Um, really, really just a staggering wealth of quality new music was released in September. And the mentions, especially the honorable mentions, would have been able to find their way onto the numbered lists of any other month. So, you know, this whole kind of conceit of what I'm doing here is really just inherently flawed, you know? Like, like how can I, how can I say, you know, like, oh, such and such was the best, the number one album of August, you know? Maybe August was a weak month, and then September comes around, and it's like, 
oh, like, the number five album of September was better than the number one album of August. Like, it, it doesn't really make any sense. But, you know, this is, uh, this is, this is the podcast. This is what I'm doing. So, f- fuck it, you know? We're just gonna, we're just gonna work with what we've got here. Also, a bit of an apology, I am sick. So, if I don't have the usual gumption that I, 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 you know, try to bring to every recording. Um, I mean, really, you're lucky that I'm recording it all to begin with. Uh, so, you know, just bear with me here. You know, and I was gonna say something along the lines of, um... Yeah, you know, it'll be a shorter episode today because I'm sick and I don't want to talk too much. But let's be real. That's just not gonna happen. I'm already at five minutes and I haven't even started talking about anything yet. So, uh, I, I mean, uh, on that note, I guess I'll, I'll get going. Uh, October's already been interesting. I already know what my dishonorable mention's gonna be. <laughs> I bet you can probably figure it out. It's pretty obvious. Um, but I'm getting way too ahead of myself here, talking about October. I haven't even, damn, talked about September yet. So let's get to it. Uh, as always, thanks for tuning in and listening to my inane ramblings. This is Phil May, your host of PH5, uh, doing PH5. So let's do PH5. Ladies and gentlemen, this is PH5. Okay, so... Numero Sank. Kind of did a mix of different languages there. Spanish and French. Uh, both Latin-based languages. Um, number five for September 2023. We have Messages to God by Sarah Marie Chadwick. Those, uh... Those veterans to the pod might remember I talked about Sarah Marie in uh, the first ever season of the show. Um, when she came out with her... I don't know if it was her debut or not. I don't remember. Um, me and NUI are friends, baby. Uh, it was a, a fascinating record. It's, a, it's not something I usually listen to. You know, um, you know, singer-songwriter type music. More or less just her and her piano singing songs. Not usually my kind of thing, but Sarah Marie brings this really, really unique, fascinating perspective to the music she writes. Um, just kind of this almost uncomfortably real perspective on love and sex and well mostly those things to be honest uh and you know she she seems to just be constantly having a rough go of things although i gotta say i follow her on instagram she actually seems pretty happy so uh i don't know maybe maybe this is a persona maybe it isn't or maybe she's just doing what the entire world is doing and only showing the good parts of her life on the old gram. Someone really needs to... Actually, I... Back in university... Uh, well, I guess after university... Um, 
I used to, uh, this is back before Instagram stories. I started a hashtag called uh, shitty food pics of Instagram. If I started, I mean, I was the only one who did it. But uh, I would just like share the gross meals that I had cooked. Just, just try and offer like a, a bit of realism in uh, that fantasy land called Instagram. But I, and I was gonna say maybe more people should do that, but uh, you know what? Maybe not. My point being, uh, here we are on her follow-up messages to God and her kind of viewpoints on life and life experiences hasn't really changed that much um but the music in a lot of ways has so as i mentioned uh the previous record was more or less just entirely her and her piano singing songs and playing songs this new record uh she's kind of taken the instrumental aspects of it all and injected a bit more life into it and a lot of the songs on this record are accompanied by orchestral arrangements which <laughs> it's it's funny because again the songs are still fairly downtrodden and depressing and like like shockingly real and and you know like she she really knows how to write a devastating line but then she'll say something like, I'd rather be suicidal than boring, and this like funny little like clarinet cue will come in. So it's, it's, it's fun, you know? It's like, um, you, you guys ever seen that meme where it's like, oh, you know, the beat, you know, is, is like this happy guy, and, the, and then the lyrics are this sad guy. It's kind of like that, you know? Uh, but what makes uh, Sarah Marie's music special is is not just the um, uncomfortably real perspective that she brings to her songs. Um, it's not just the you know the <laughs> flutes, I guess. But she's actually a really good songwriter. Uh, the melodies that she comes up with to pair along with her lyrics are always catchy and always. Uh, just really on point. Um, she's not by any means a traditionally good singer, but the conviction that she brings to all of her songs, as well as, you know, the really, really good attention to melody and, you know, uh, resolving various melodic motifs within the songs themselves and things like this, it's really a complete package what she does. And while I understand why she hasn't really blown up or taken off yet, uh, you gotta be kind of a sicko to really enjoy this kind of stuff. Um, I'm, I'm a bit shocked because, you know, her, her songs are melodically sound. Um, she's obviously got some, at least a fair bit of money behind her at this point to be able to, you know, get an or orchestra or whatever it is in the studio and have someone ar arrange um, these kind of uh, additions to the, you know, the sonic palette, if you will. 
And yet, I, I still kind of feel like I'm the only person that really knows about her, at least here in North America. Um, she is Australian, so I don't know, maybe down there it's a whole different story. She's just queen of the world. But I also kind of don't think so, so I don't know. I Maybe she doesn't even want to blow up. Maybe she's happy with where she is today and all this kind of stuff, but... She definitely is one of these strange cases that I think should be a lot more popular than she actually is. So, do yourself a favor and do her a favor and check out this record. Uh, because it will disturb you and delight you in equal measure. So coming in at number 5 for September 2023, we have Sarah Marie Chadwick with Messages to God. Number four, we have Isn't It Now by Animal Collective. If their second record in as many years after kind of a weird wilderness period for them where they weren't really releasing traditional full lengths, um, this, this record really doubles down on the sound that they kind of developed uh, on last year's uh, time skiffs. Just this kind of woozy psych pop. Um, but what I I think makes this record special and, and better than um, time skiffs is that there's no compromise going on here. You know, it's like Time Skiffs was kind of an introduction to this new era and new sound of Animal Collective. And this record is them really just going all in on it. Um, it's the longest Animal, uh, Animal Collective record to date at over an hour. The, there's a 22 minute long song on here, which they hilariously release as the first single. And it's weirdly enough like it's actually like probably one of their best songs like it's it's hard to release that long of a song especially as a single but in a weird way like it it kind of made sense like um it's called defeat by the way if you haven't heard it definitely go check it out uh it it's catchy it's long, obviously, but it's really, really compelling, and it really kind of sets the stage and the tone for the rest of the record. Um, and it's just nice to kind of hear them get back to this point where they sound comfortable with where they are in kind of the, the pantheon of indie music. And, like, they were releasing some pretty bad shit for a long time, which... For a band as legendary and kind of meaningful to people as they are, uh, you know, it was rough. Like, you know, they had a stretch of basically 2005 to, um, you know, you could argue 2012, 2013, where they're releasing just monumental record after record after record, and then and then it got bad, and it. It just felt bad, you know, as a, as a long-time Animal Collective fan, those years were hard, because 
You knew they had it in them. You you knew that these guys were awesome. And capable of making just some of the greatest music you can hear. But you know, they just weren't delivering it. But whatever whatever that was going on in that time period that seems to have impeded them from living up to the standards that they kind of set for themselves, uh, that seems to be gone. And, and you know, on, on this record, they kind of sound freer than they, they have in a very, very long time. Uh, you can say it's a bit of an animal corrective, if you will. Part of that joke, like, maybe a minute ago when I was saying something else and really been desperately trying to shoehorn it in. I think I did a good job of it. Uh, will this stand up amongst their classics? Probably not. Um, it's a bit kind of front-heavy. Uh, and the last few songs, admittedly, don't really capture the same magic as the the initial batch does but I think it's pretty easy to say that this is their best record since Centipede Hurts which not to blow your mind or anything but that was 11 years ago so for a band kind of this far into their career to come back with a record that is as good Maybe not quite as good, but almost as good as some of their best from, you know, over 10 years ago. It's it's pretty impressive. Uh, I remember me and my buddy Matt, who will get another shout out later in the episode. We saw these guys live uh, last September when they were touring on Time Skiffs. And they played a bunch of these songs. And him and I were stoked. Um... We thought that, oh, we know there's a new record coming, it's coming soon, and it might just be their next masterpiece, based off of these live songs. Uh, Is it their next masterpiece? I don't think I'd go that far, but it's still a great record, and one that makes me proud for the first time in a long time, I think, to say that I am an Animal Collective fan. So, if you've ever at any point in your life enjoyed these guys' music, check this one out because uh, they're back, baby. Gotta love it. So coming in at number four for September 2023, we have Isn't It Now by Animal Collective. And number three for September 2023, we have the record Soft Scars by Yule. Yule, I think that's how you pronounce it. Could be Yule. Yule. I think it's just Yule. Uh, and I just want to, again, mention that this is kind of a testament to how crazy good of a month September was for music because this record in particular would have been an easy number one in maybe any other month from this year other than a few 
Like, it's really that good. And I still think there were two records that were better than it. So, uh, yeah. Crazy month, September. But anyway, Yule. Yule is the project of, uh, their name is Nat Samil. I don't know how to say it. It's like C-M-I-E-L. Uh, they're a Singaporean artist, uh, kind of based in London. And they've been releasing these kind of glitchy pop records for, you know, a few years now. Uh, Glitch Princess from last year or the year before was the latest one, and that's kind of the one that got a lot of people paying attention to them. Uh, I liked it, but this is the first one that is really connecting with me. Uh, surprise, surprise, there's a lot of guitars on it, so, you know, you know me. But it's a really, really cool record that kind of uses, I'll say, like, 90s alternative and, and grunge and, like, even, like, 2000s pop punk as kind of a, a foundational inspiration touchpoint for Yule's brand of electronic music. And a lot of these songs sound like they could have come out in a kind of glitchy adjacent to our world time um, back in that era. Uh, there's a lot of kind of grungy influence. There's like a straight up pop punk song on here. As I mentioned, guitar is featured pretty heavily across the album. The first song even has Yule screaming their guts out at one point or a few points it's so yeah it's a record that you can tell was was purposefully made to kind of nod at and um reference 90s and 2000s alternative music but don't get me wrong this is still quite strictly an electronic pop record um and I think what really makes it special and what really works for me is the fact that while yes, it is in, in many ways kind of a genre experiment, uh, the songs are just really damn good and, uh, you know, speak to, you know, Yule's life, you know, struggling with newfound fame and, and, and struggling with their place uh, kind of in the, the pop pantheon and you know reflecting on the hard times that they had growing up. The title itself is a reference to um, scars on their body that were inflicted by self-harm, for example. Uh, you know, the kind of the challenges of being uh, a non-binary person. But all that being said, it, it's, it's actually probably the lightest and most uplifting record that, uh, that they've made. It, it, it isn't quite steeped in the darkness the way that the previous records have been. And there's a lot of hope here. There's a lot of warmth, um, a lot of love radiating from this record. 
and it, it just it feels good to listen to uh, I don't know I don't really know how else to describe it that way you look at the cover and Yule is dressed in this really, really fascinating aesthetic that seems to be a mix of, like, I don't even know, like, steampunk and cyberpunk and, like, almost like pirate. I don't even know how to describe it all. But, uh, yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. And, uh, again, any other month, of any other year, this would have been probably my favorite of the month and will likely be ranking pretty high at year end. So if that's the kind of thing that would interest you, I'd recommend giving this record a listen. So coming in at number three for September 2023, we have Yule Soft Scars. Okay, mention These are the mentions. mentions. Um, yeah, okay, so... Yeah, honorable mentions time. Let me open my notes here, because I've got a lot to talk about, mention-wise. Okay, okay, let's get going. First up, mention-wise, is the record Silhouette Machine by flooding so once again as i mentioned i was going to give another shout out to my guy matt bankuti uh shout out to matt bankuti he was so insistent that i listened to this record the persistence was um incredible and it was worth it he really insisted that i listen to this he was trying to get me to listen to it all of last week and I was having a crazy, crazy week last week. Um, and I just, like, didn't have time. But he kept pressing me. So I finally got around to doing it. And I'm really glad that he was on my ass about it the way he was. Because this is a really, really cool record. Um, how do I describe it? So Flooding, they make music that really reminds me of a mix of, say, like, the slow core of Duster mixed with, like, kind of the, you know, soft, ethereal female vocals of Grouper mixed with just the raw, harsh intensity of someone like Jerome's Dream. Uh, it, it's really all over the map that way. Uh, this is a band that plays with dynamics in their songs. You know, often starting at a snail's pace, uh, just to build up to something very, very chaotic and, and cathartic, and then back down again. Sometimes multiple times within one song. And it doesn't sound overdone, you know? It doesn't sound like... You know, a gimmick. You know, it sounds like a band that knows exactly what they're trying to make and they know exactly how they want to make it. Uh, didn't quite crack my top five, but 
I mean, only really because I think I just didn't have that much time to spend with it. I've listened through the whole thing three times now, and I love it, but it just seemed fair to talk about the things that I'd been able to spend more time with and develop more affection for, so... And not only that, but this is the kind of record to me that I love and I think is really interesting, but mostly just makes me excited to hear the next one because they still kind of sound like um, a mix of all their influences. Um, you know, it's a distinct sound, but not an entirely unique one. So now that they've really managed to nail this sound, I want to hear what comes next, and I want to hear how they manage to uh, put their own unique stamp on this music that they're making. But it's still a really fun, exciting record that anyone who's a fan of, you know, slowcore or post-hardcore or anything like that definitely needs to check out. So. Honorable mention number one, we have Flooding Silhouette Machine. Honorable mention number two goes to an apologies here. I have no idea how to pronounce this. Anjamili with The King. Again, I'm probably saying that really wrong and I apologize, but uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm doing my best over here, okay? So, Anjamili makes kind of this almost unclassifiable type of music. I've, I've heard it described as folk before, but honestly, that's uh, way too reductive because there's a lot more going on than that. Um, like... At times, it sounds like almost Radiohead, you know? Um, at times, it kind of sparkles in a way that, you know, almost sounds like Slow Dive or something like this. Who also released another great record this month, but I'm not talking about that one. Uh, the songs themselves are fairly heart-wrenching accounts of what it's like to be a trans black man in America. I think it's a unique kind of perspective to hear. Uh, I feel like, you know, in, in, in the media and whatnot, we hear a lot about trans women, but I feel like we don't get a lot of uh, perspectives and views from trans men. So uh, that doubled down with, you know, being black on top of that all is a it's, it's a recipe for some really fascinating worldviews and lyrics and just hearing about his life seems like it's it's been hell as you can imagine it would be but it, it never quite goes to a really dark depressing place there's always this kind of undercurrent of triumph through the music and perseverance and, and powering through the darkness to find the light and you can kind of see that in the title of the record the king you know this isn't a record about you know succumbing to defeat it's a record about overcoming 
all those adversities and becoming stronger because of it. So, again, another one of those records where uh, I'm just really interested to hear about what comes next. And, again, any other month would probably end up on the top five list, but there was just way too much good shit going on this month, so what can you do? Anyway, honorable mention number two, sorry, going to Andrew Milley, I'm sorry again, that's probably terribly wrong, The King. And lastly, we have honorable mention number three, Laurel Halo Atlas. Now, Laurel Halo is... Um, has kind of been one of my favorite electronic artists in the past decade, 15 years or so. She's released, um, you know, a handful of records and none of them have sound the same, you know, uh, kind of from the almost uh, vaporwave adjacent um, quarantine to, you know, the you know, kind of very organic sounding, raw silk, uncut wood. She hasn't been afraid to just kind of jump all over the place. And, you know, her record that kind of exemplifies her jumping all over the place the most would be Dust, which sees her tackling basically every genre and no genre at the same time. Um, great record. Check that out if you haven't heard it. But this is her first record, or her first full length anyway, in, in quite some time, a few years now. And in kind of an unexpected left turn, it is a fully instrumental, almost drone-y ambient record that she made in collaboration with um, a few musicians. But Laurel Halo, despite whatever kind of whims she decides to pursue has always found ways to make her music sound very interesting and cutting edge and that's no different here um calling this just another ambient record is is really kind of missing a lot of the important aspects of it it reminds me a lot of uh gas gas being Probably my favorite ambient producer other than Huerco S. Gas was really good at imbuing this weird sense of dread into his ambient music. Um, it's funny because uh, his record Narcopop was a record that I fell asleep to every night after developing tinnitus, so it's kind of weird that I would listen to this dread-filled music to fall asleep. Just freak shit, you know? But, you know, to someone who likes, you know, darker things, there's almost this kind of strange comfort in dread, if that makes sense. The strange comfort in uneasiness. And I don't know if dread is exactly the word, but I wouldn't exactly call this record easy listening by any means. Um... The way that she 
moves through textures from song to song, even within songs, is is really unique and inspires kind of weird feelings. And you know, ambient music in a lot of ways is meant to you know act as quote unquote wallpaper music that supposed to blend into the background and act as an accompaniment to whatever you're doing rather than being the focal point. But this is ambient music that you're meant to pay attention to. Um, and she kind of makes it hard to ignore through the way that these kind of amorphous, abstract, musical shapes kind of flow together in, in, in strange and unexpected ways. And just when you kind of feel like you've got a grasp on what's happening um, it, it changes and, and, and you realize you didn't have any idea what was going on at all it's a pretty bold move to release something like this after you know releasing fairly vocal driven records um, in the other parts of her career but it absolutely pays off uh, it, it stands up there with the rest of her records in terms of quality and, and listenability and I think this is going to be one of those sleeper records for me that I come back to um, frequently throughout the year and, and years to come because it, there is just this really intriguing quality about it that uh, you don't get from a lot of other records namely ambient records so honorable mention number three four September 2023 we have Laurel Halo Atlas. Now for the mentions. So, first mention is going to be Guts by Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah. I'm sure you guys know about old Olivia. So... I just wanted to quickly chat about this record because I, I found it very interesting how... kind of the, the, the place that this record holds currently um, in the mainstream and in music in general. So... highly anticipated sold a shit ton of copies upon its release um you know lead single vampire was a huge hit and continues to be a huge hit critics loved it adored it you know it's one of the highest records on metacritic right now in terms of ratings yet it seems to have basically no cultural footprint as far as i can tell like, I look at the Billboard 200, um, or the 100, or whatever it is for the songs, and other than Vampire, she hasn't really made any impact at all with this record on the charts. But the album itself still manages to be quite high up there and selling a lot, so I just don't... I'm just really confused about this record. Like... Is it popular? Is it not? Did it hit the mark for her fans? Did it not? I, I, I don't really, I just don't understand what's going on with this right now. And she's about to go on this huge tour 
which presumably will be a massive success and, you know, sell tons of seats. But, like, can you... And any radio listeners out there, are you, are you guys hearing any Olivia Rodrigo on the radio? I, I feel like you're not. I mean, I never hear her when I'm out and listening to the radio. There's that song on here, um, the one song that I really, really like on this record, uh, Get Him Back, that I was absolutely positive would be a smash. Um, she released a video for it when the album came out. You know, and it's obviously meant to be the next single from the record. And yet, I feel like it it hasn't really made an impact whatsoever. Which is strange, because it's a killer song. Extraordinarily catchy. But, like, where is it? Is... is do, I don't know. Do people care about her? Is this... I'm just confused. I, I mean, I, I don't, you know follow pop things as closely as others so you know if there's any like big pop heads out there can you just tell me what's going on with this record like is it a hit is it not you know because the album sales are still doing great but on the actual chart of songs like she's basically nowhere to be found so where are all these sales coming from what like i just don't know what the hell is going on it's interesting. It's weird. The record is fine enough, I guess. I mean, I think... You know, I think it got way overhyped when it came out. Like, let's be real, it's it's fine. It's good, you know? It's not great. It's alright. But, I just, I just, I don't know. It has a strange, strange spot in the pop sphere right now. And I just... I'm still just trying to wrap my head around it. Anyway, those are my thoughts on Olivia Rodrigo and Guts. The other mention I want to talk about is the latest 10trix.never record uh, again. So, I, <laughs> I couldn't be talking about a more opposite record right now. Um, so, OPN has had crazy amount of mainstream success lately whether it's uh you know making soundtracks for the safty brothers movies whether it's um working with the weekend on uh actually producing songs for him or being an executive producer on his last record and um helping him with the super bowl halftime show like this guy's got a huge profile and could easily coast off of doing, for lack of a better word, mainstream shit for the rest of his life. But, you know, he's an auteur at the end of the day, and, you know, he wants to continue making records that kind of follow his own imagination, which leads us to this latest one again. And it's... One of his first, if not the first record of his that doesn't really seem to have kind of a central unifying concept. And concept records are cool, but they're also, if you don't do them right, can be kind of whatever. Um, he's done mostly a good job of, you know, making the concept records work for him. 
Uh, and with the release of this, the one that doesn't really necessarily have a concept, it really goes to show kind of how important it is for experimental electronic artists to have a concept for their records. Because there are large portions of this new record that, while they sound really cool, don't get me wrong, like, in terms of actual, like, creating unique and interesting sounds, he's still probably the best out there doing it. But it also just feels kind of aimless at times. Um, like, just not really sure what the point of it is and you know that that which brings me again to the question that i'm asking like can you even really make experimental electronic music without there being some kind of concept some kind of guiding light for it to all tie back to for it to mean something because otherwise you're just kind of creating sounds um I don't know, just a thought. It's, I mean, his records have honestly been, you know, not incredible for the past few years. And given that it was the decade anniversary of R plus seven, uh, just a week ago or so, really goes to show you like how important and vital his music used to be compared to what it is now. Like, you know, R plus seven, the, the records before that, um, records that immediately after that, like Returnal, Replica, um, Garden of Delete, all those records are essential electronic classics. Um, but this music that he's making no longer feels essential, and to be honest, it hasn't really in a long time. I'd almost rather listen to... Actually, I, not almost. I would absolutely rather listen to the weekend songs that he produced over any of the solo OPN stuff that's been put out recently. So, you know, I would say to him, because I'm sure he cares of my opinion, uh, if you're going to continue making music, you know, maybe it's worth looking for some inspiration to have it be about something because otherwise it just kind of sounds like nothing at all or just like kind of stop the whole OPN project and uh, you know continue making soundtracks or and helping various other artists produce because honestly that seems to be going great for you as well you know nothing wrong with that anyway just some thoughts there on one tricks point nevers again. And those are the mentions. Lastly, of course, we have the dishonorable mentions, where I get to talk shit for a few minutes. <clears throat> First up on the dishonorable mentions, we have Dial M for Meds by Taking Meds. This one hurt quite a bit, but fortunately, I kind of saw it coming. So, their last record, um, Terrible News from Wonderful Men, 
was one of my absolute favorite records of 2021. Um, it was just a blast. I really thought that these guys were going to be just one of the next big rock bands full stop based on that record because the whole record was extremely catchy um, and full of personality. Uh, the songs were fun, they were all memorable in their own unique way. There was just a lot of good stuff going on and I still go back and listen to that record and I'm still, you know, yellow, no crepe hangers at the party all the time. It's just, it's just good stuff. Whatever, I don't, I don't know what happened in the past two years or so, but it feels like all of the personality from that record has just been sapped away. And don't get me wrong, the songs are still very catchy, but they feel catchy in a almost formulaic way. Like you can almost predict the melodies as they're happening. Again, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but when there's no real personality, when there's nothing else really making you want to listen to the music, um, the music just gets predictable and, and, and repetitive. And all the songs on here are kind of more or less the same. Whereas again, their last record, all the songs were different and had their own unique flair and unique kind of sound that they were chasing. Um, yeah, I just, I don't really understand what made them go in this direction. I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like they flatlined a little bit, you know? Like you listen to the lead guy Skyler's singing on here and he uses the exact same vocal tone and delivery for the entire record front to back. Whereas on the previous one, you know, he had his singing voice, he had his like gruff singing voice, he had his kind of yelling voice, he had his kind of wacky voice that he'd bring out now and again. None of those are here anymore. It's all just the one style of singing from the first song to the last song. And it's really disappointing because, like, I had really, really high hopes for this band and for this record. I was so excited to hear their new record, but even from the first single that was released, I heard it and I was kind of like, ah, this is the direction they're going in. It's almost like they took the easy route, you know? They wrote some just very straightforward pop punk songs and called it a day. And, uh, I don't know. I guess I just was expecting a little bit more. So, first dishonorable mention for September 2023 is Taking Meds, Dial M for Meds. Also, like, kind of a cop-out title, too. Like, the whole record is just a cop-out. And lastly, the last dishonorable mention we have is Scarlet by Doja Cat. And this one hurts. Uh, you know, okay. Up until even just a few days ago, 
I was willing to kind of accept what was going on with this record. Like, okay, yeah, you know, you're sick of being the pop artist, you know, you trash all your fans and call your old records, um, you know, cash grabs and kind of lean into this whole antagonistic thing. Like, Sure, whatever. I mean, I don't know what it's like to be a celebrity. I don't know what it's like to be a pop star. I can't imagine uh, what goes on mentally for someone like that. It must be hard. And wanting to retaliate is something I understand. And being antagonistic has kind of been the whole Doja Cat thing since she first started. Um, so, okay. You know, I, I was I was willing to, to run with it, you know? I actually really liked uh, Paint the Town Red, and I was really happy for the success of the single. I think it's back at number one right now, and that marks three weeks now that it's been on the top of the charts. That's great. It's a great song. I'm happy for her for that. That's awesome. Um, the rest of the record isn't that good, for sure. You know, she seems very intent on establishing herself as a rapper to be respected which okay sure you know that's what you want to do you know that's how you got your start you want to earn your rap cred back sure i get it um i think that she is a bit too harsh on her kind of earlier pop rap stuff because i actually think that that music was arguably more interesting than this kind of more straightforward rap that she's leaning into on this one but okay, you know what, I, I, was, I was willing to, 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 you know, meet her halfway, sure. Um, whatever you, you do you, I get it. But the thing is, I, I have to be consistent, you know? I have to have some principles. And on my last episode, I went absolutely torched earth on No Name for... Uh, featuring the very anti-Semitic J Electronica verse on uh, her lead single for the album. And lo and behold, I open up Instagram the other day and there's Doja Cat posing in a shirt that proudly features um neo-nazi sam hyde or whatever the fuck his name is on it so just you know openly wearing a shirt with a neo-nazi on it and taking a picture of it and proudly posting it on the internet for everyone to see why would you do that like what the fuck is is that necessary what do you what do you hope to gain from doing this you know you know, you have a line in your song on the album, Agora Hills, where you say, Boy's mad because I won't fuck incels, or something like this. And then you go and you post a picture of yourself wearing a neo-Nazi shirt, basically appealing to the exact same people that you talk shit on on your record. So which is it, Doja? Who are you really, you know? And... Now, millions and millions of people have been exposed to this guy. You just signal-boosted neo-Nazism just by posting a picture 
an absolute unforced error. So, I have to say, I, I've just lost all respect for her now. Um, again, this is someone I was willing to meet halfway on so many things that maybe I shouldn't have been so willing to on. Because of my previous love for her music and you know I used to genuinely think she was an interesting person but there's nothing interesting about proudly brandishing neo-nazi wear so you know what fuck you your album isn't even that good anyway the dishonorable mention number two for September 2023 Doja Cat, Scarlet. These are the mentions. Okay, uh, back to the fun stuff. We have two records left. So, number two for September 2023, we have Armand Hammer with We Buy Diabetic Test Strips. Fascinating title. I still don't understand what it means. Uh, I can say that about a lot of the record though. Anyway, so for those counting, this will be the second time Armand Hammer has been featured on PH5. And this will be the fourth time Billy Woods has been featured on this podcast which is by far the most of any artist out there. So any Billy Woods goat arguments are officially concluded based on the PH5 appearance metric. He is the greatest. Uh, Armand Hammer is kind of an outlet for a lot of Billy Woods and Elucid's more psychedelic leanings. Um, when I talked about Haram, which was released in 2021, I remember specifically having this lengthy discussion about, oh, you know, they make psychedelic rock music, why can't they make psychedelic rap music? Yeah, you know, like that was a unique talking point. No one's ever thought of that before. Um, in this record sees them going even deeper into their psychedelic tendencies than ever before uh, to just absolutely astounding results um, this is rap music in its uh, loosest form imaginable there is rapping yes sure there are beats yes sure but the rapping and the the instrumentation, the production, everything is just so out there and abstract that it's uh it's almost like they've created an entirely new genre of music in and of itself when you listen to this record. Like you put this on, then you listen to like, I don't know, like Drake or some shit, it sounds nothing alike like absolutely nothing alike and i mean that in a very good way uh the whole thing of armand hammer and billy woods and the whole backwoods studio scene is 
you know, they, they, they attempt to push the envelope and, and create the most forward-thinking, uh, rap-adjacent music that they possibly can. And, and yet again, they've done it here on this latest record. Uh, the record contains fragmented snapshots um, in a very hallucinatory manner of what life is like in 2023, uh, specifically for black people in America. And, you know, parsing this record could take months, could take years to really figure out all the hidden meanings of not just the lyrics, but the music itself too. And that's what makes it really one of the greatest records that has come out this year. Just because, like, you could do a dissection of this thing and you would never get to the bottom of it. <laughs> there is just so many fascinating things going on on basically every second from start to finish. Um, the guest list on this record is, you know, really interesting. Um, Jake Pegg Mafia is here on production. Uh, LP is here producing a song. Uh, in terms of guest artists, I think what makes this a really unique Armand Hammer record, separates this one from a lot of the ones in the past, is uh, the inclusion of women. Um, there hasn't been a lot of women on Armand Hammer records in the past, but the first voice you hear in this record is a woman's voice. Um, there are two separate Jungle Pussy features. Uh, More Mother shows up to, you know, deliver a um, classically stoic and mysterious verse. So it's it's really great of them to kind of begin to bring women into the fold of their abstract, wild, psychedelic universe. Um, and everyone here sounds like they belong. And every piece is wild and disparate and out there and psychedelic as it is. All makes sense within the context of what you're hearing. The whole record kind of flows from one beat to the other or one lack of beat to the other. Uh, picking out individual songs is, you know, kind of a fool's errand because it's definitely one of those things that's meant to be listened from start to finish. But it's never a slog, you know, it's never a difficult listen. Um, Billy Woods and Elucid are, you know, kind of low-key, funny guys, and there are enough kind of ear-popping lines and, you know, verses across this record to catch your ear and, and keep you holding on to hear what they have to say next. And the production is just absolutely wild. Like, it's crazy to think that, you know, there are kids out there listening to that latest Travis Scott record and saying dumb shit like, whoa, the production on this is insane. Like, this production is crazy. This is like such psychedelic production, you know? Like, fuck that, man. Throw this record on, you want to hear psychedelic production. It's 
it's just so out there. But it's not, like, trying too hard to be out there. It's not abrasive by any means. It's just... It kind of rethinks the way... Hip-hop production can be. And... The whole record just plays with the form in every imaginable way. And you will listen to this thing... 10 times, 20 times, and you'll hear something new every time you do. And it's that level of kind of difficulty that keeps you coming back to it, because you want to understand, like, what are these sounds that I'm hearing? What do they mean we buy diabetic test strips? Like, what what does that mean? What, what is exactly going on? The whole thing just causes so much intrigue, and there are no easy answers. In fact, there are no answers at all. You're kind of left to come up with your own conclusions. And it just makes it such an incredibly rewarding listen from start to finish. Um, and again, I, I shout out Billy Woods. This is... It's looking like two of his records are going to end up in my top ten of the year for this year, which is just crazy. Like, he's really on a different level. Um, and... I mean, I, I feel like we're honored, and it's a very special time. Like, I mentioned on the previous episode or whatever, like, you know, rap is kind of falling off the mainstream a little bit, but that doesn't mean that it's stagnating. It just means that the more kind of um, esoteric scenes are, are thriving, and this is your prime example right here. This is an example of a record that um, does not compromise and accomplishes everything that it's set out to do. And it's up to you, the listener, to determine what exactly it is that it's setting out to do. So, coming in at number two for September 2023, we have Armand Hammer, We Buy Diabetic Test Strips. And let's finish her off with number one for the month. So, again, um, the Yule record, an easy number one any other month. The Armand Hammer record, an easy number one any other month. Hey, you know, possibly a number one of the year, any other year. Which is why I, I, I just wanted to bring this up, because I really want to make it clear how much I love this next record and how special I think it is because despite the absolute brilliance of those two other records um, I still think this one's better coming in at number one for the month we have to mold the enduring spirit what a what a piece of work this thing is. Um, so, Tomb Mold is a death metal band from right here in Toronto. And they kind of came onto the scene um, back in, I believe it was 20... I don't know, maybe it was 2018 with the record Manners of Infinite Form, 
which was this really cool kind of old-school death metal mixed with uh, a little bit of sci-fi um, and they followed it up immediately after with Planetary Clairvoyance which uh, was the record that really got me into them kind of leaning more into the sci-fi elements um, bringing in kind of different uh, sounds into their take on old-school death metal um, and then they kind of disappeared for a while uh, there's a few side projects that they worked on and actually um, the Dream Unending album from last year uh, I ended up on um, the podcast I ended up talking about that record and I ended up on my favorites of the year but it's been yeah it's been four years since uh, since we've heard of Tomb Mold and then all of a sudden a few weeks ago they announced, hey, uh, we have a new album coming out, and it's coming out in two days. Coming out this Friday. And the metal world kind of freaked out. Because at this point, they've established themselves at, as a very special band. Before this record even came out. You know, one can argue that Two Mold, along with uh, Blood Incantation, are probably the biggest death metal bands going right now and kind of ushered in this new wave of death metal death metal's popularity uh not only amongst the metal crowd but um in music in general um you know those two mold records and the blood incantation records were these rare crossover records that attracted fans outside of death metal and the thing is death metal is it's a hard genre to cross over with you know it's it's one of the most unrelenting forms of metal um like you know thrash metal you can easily cross over speed metal even like things like doom metal and things like this um the, the elements that make up that particular style of metal are, you know, easier to work with to make more palatable to your average person. But the whole idea of death metal is that it's just brutal and uncompromising and meant to turn off basically everyone, you know? But they always kind of, man, it always manages to make its way into popular culture somehow. And I, I think about um, the band Cannibal Corpse, who just released another fantastic record uh, last month. Didn't quite make the cut, um, but it's really good. Uh, and I think about how Cannibal Corpse was in, you know, Ace Ventura back in the day. Um, I think about Behemoth, who, um, you know aren't exactly straight-up death metal, but certainly had a lot of elements. You know, the, the lead the lead singer guy of Behemoth is one of the most popular celebrities of Norway, or wherever the fuck he's from, and, like, literally was a host on their version of American Idol or some shit. Like, clearly there is a love for this genre that certain bands are able to really tap into and achieve success beyond what they can imagine. 
this latest two mold record is just a perfect example of this. Um, the love that I've seen this record get is is crazy. Like on Exclaim, kind of Toronto's, um, you know, quote unquote, like indie music magazine. It's got a perfect 10 out of 10. Pitchfork, even modern era Pitchfork, populism, sorry, not the right word, um, but like Condé Nast, Poptimist Pitchfork was out here giving it best new music in an 8.6. Like, it's a record that has really struck a chord with a lot of people. Which is really interesting because you listen to it and it's still, it's just, it's very much just a straight up death metal album. I mean, there's no compromise here. It's still got your disgusting, guttural death metal vocals. It's still packed to the gill with furious drums and crazy riffs and solos and all that. But what they've done with this record is they've made something so good that it's undeniable to even just people that don't even like this kind of music. I remember I had a barbecue few weeks ago and you know some people were over they primarily listened to electronic music and stuff like that but you know I had had a few beers and I was like this is my house I'm putting on what I want so I put on some of um some songs from this record and they were loving it and again I, I want to make it clear like this is not a record that you know has sold out in any way this is not a record that you know, foregoes the brutality of death metal. It, it It is still very, 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 very much a death metal record. But the riffs that they've crafted, these songs that they've made, everything about it is just so spectacularly done that anyone can get into it. Which is a crazy thing to say. If you show this record to someone with an open enough mind and they actually let themselves sit with it for a little bit and get into it they're gonna love it because it's just objectively amazing i don't know how else to describe it it's just objectively so good um the riffs once you sit with them and again spend time to get to know them are very catchy um the melodic parts are absolutely gorgeous, verging on jazzy at times. Um, the heavy parts are insanely heavy. And this is a record that, again, is in love with death metal. It's sure it has its melodic moments of, you know, clean passages and things like this, but it always goes back to that you know, signature, brutal style. And it's not afraid of doing that, and it, it, it loves doing that. It's, it's not, it's, it's one of those crossover records that, it's a crossover only because of how well done it is. Not because it, you know, sacrifices anything to 
appeal to a more mainstream crowd or anything like that. It's just so spectacularly done that, again, I've said this like five times now, anyone who enjoys music, anyone who loves melody and, and loves what happens when a guitar and bass and drums come together and, you know, lock in, anyone can find something to appreciate in this record. It lyrically, you know, you don't even need to worry about that. You're not going to understand a single thing the guy's saying. Again, it's just brutal, guttural vocals the entire time. But if you do decide to take a look at the lyrics, it's not as, you know, morbid and death-focused as the vast majority of other death metal bands are. They're asking very philosophical questions about life and existence in the universe. And it it's it's just special. It's a special record. Um, it's funny when the day that the album was released, uh, there was a show happening, a two-mold show here in Toronto. Uh, the show had been, ha- you know, we knew it was happening for months, and I was gonna go, um, but I, I had to go to a bachelor party instead, which was great. Don't get me wrong, I'm so glad I went to that. But listening to the record, I was like, fuck, I can't believe I missed what was essentially the record release party for what is maybe the best death metal record that I've ever heard. And, you know, I've had some time to sit with this for a while, and that doesn't feel like an exaggeration. That's really how I feel about it. It's, I'd say, easily the best metal record of the year, and probably the best death metal record that I've ever heard. So, you know, let your, you know, conclusions about the genre, push all that aside, open your mind, give it a listen, because I promise you this is some of the best music that you're ever going to hear. So, coming in at number one for September 2023 is Tomb Mold the enduring spirit and there you go again I, I can't comment enough on how many amazing records were released this year sorry this month not this year this year's been not that great but this month almost made up for it um there are probably 10 or so other records that i listened to and liked that i just you know i don't want to sit here for three hours and doing this we only get a limited amount of time to be leisurely so I don't want to spend it all recording a podcast but seriously September 2023 was special and those five records that I talked about today especially the top three are just absolutely stellar and could not recommend listening to them enough thank you for listening Uh, I have gone on way too long as always and uh my voice is starting to go which is not good because i was already sick to begin with so i'm gonna take off now thanks for tuning in and have yourself a wonderful time we will chat again soon i will not be so late for october because i'm assuming that uh there won't be like 400 records that i love that come out this month Okay, see you later. Bye.